Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 towards select mattresses when you visit casper.com forward slash brain. And make sure to use the promo code BRAIN during checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. My name is Paul Coliani. I am a personal empowerment coach, and this is the show where I help you tackle life's toughest challenges. I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional or ethical professional or legal professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, I read an email a few months back regarding a relationship issue. This person went through a challenge with their relationship, and um, I did an episode on it. Uh, Let me see if I can find that episode. It was, oh, let's see, episode number 240, way back in um, April of 2018. It's called The Life Decision You Regret, Never Find True Love Again, and Do You Value Yourself? And that episode had an email from someone, I forget what I called her, Mary, I think, uh, who was dating someone for, I think, a year. And they were both raised in the same religion, religious background, um, but she ended up seeing a dating app on his phone. And... Uh, he lied and said, oh, uh, I for- just forgot to delete that. So, you know, no big deal. I'll go ahead and delete it. But something wasn't sticking with her. And so she confronted him and said, you know, I don't believe you. I think you're lying. And he confessed. He said that he liked to talk to women, but it wasn't anything serious because, I don't know, he probably was getting some sort of thrill that there was the possibility of an attraction or something. I don't know why I forget. It's been a long time. I forget what I said. But um, she wrote back and said that the episode that I created helped her. 
And I wanted to read you the response. So if you want to listen to the original episode, you can go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and look up. You can type in um, the life decision you regret and you'll find the episode. But I wanted to read her reply to you from that episode and maybe make some comments on it. Uh, The reply goes, hey, Paul, thank you so much. I just listened to the segment and it helped a lot. It's actually been one month today since the breakup. I have good days and bad days. As you suspected on the show, I can look back and see the red flags that I rationalized away. It wasn't even that I missed them, but more like I convinced myself that they didn't mean what my gut told me they did. I did end up sending him a a short one-page letter expressing what I'd wish I'd said during the breakup, that an apology wasn't enough to fix things, and that if he wants to work through this, he needs to follow through with his actions. I haven't heard anything back and don't expect to. It's making me feel even more certain that I did the right thing walking away. As you suggested in the segment, I am focusing on myself right now. If nothing else, the relationship taught me some important lessons, but one in particular surprised me, that finding someone else raised in my religion, I won't say what it is to keep her privacy, is important to me. My mom is devout, but I've been largely indifferent to religion since I graduated from my, insert name of religion here, high school uh, several years ago. I didn't think it was important to me, and I'd actually never dated someone else who was in my religion before. Now I realize the value that comes from having those shared experiences and common bond. Thank you again. I'm sure I'll still listen to the segment several times over the next few weeks and possibly months. All right, that was Mary. Thank you so much for for replying, Mary, and updating me. And I wanted to read this on the show because there's two things that I want to highlight, and I think they're important. One of them is what you said about having that gut feeling. There's this gut feeling, I can't really prove it, or I can't really see the issue there, but my gut is telling me maybe I should have looked deeper. I've said this before if you've been listening a while, but I always recommend looking deeper. That sounds like maybe an invasion of privacy, I don't know. Maybe it's a breach of trust, I don't know. But I look at it this way. I don't like hanging on to that feeling. And in fact, my relationship would probably get worse and worse as I held on to this gut feeling. I don't like hanging on to it. I like addressing it. Now, what I do, of course, is address it with my girlfriend or anyone I'm in any relationship with. And I say what's on my mind and what's in my gut. You know, I get this feeling that you're not telling me everything about this. They may say, well, that's too bad because I told you everything. And then I can either address that and say, yeah, but uh, something doesn't add up. And I might, you know, have a deeper conversation about that. And I might leave the conversation um, not fulfilled and not having found closure. And if that's the case, then I might have to keep that feeling. And when I have that feeling and when it doesn't go away, and I still haven't reached that closure, I need to do something about it. Now, somebody might say, well, Paul, that's your fault. You have to deal with it. You have to process it. You have to get through it. You have to release it. But I always side with that instinctual feeling that comes up because just like if you ever read the book Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, then you'll understand that our subconscious mind picks up stuff that we don't necessarily pick up consciously. 
So, you know, that's a common concept. So I won't get into too much detail about that, but knowing that your eyes and your ears will pick up things to get processed in your brain, in your subconscious mind, in your body, in ways that you may not be consciously aware of, knowing this helps you understand those gut instincts, those gut feelings a little bit more. And if you understand that you're getting these signals for a reason and understand that you detected something, whether consciously or subconsciously, that's giving you a signal that something isn't right, that it's up to you to figure out what that is so you can seek closure. If you don't have closure, you bring this unfinished business feeling with you through all your interactions in your relationship with this person or group or whatever to the point where you can't fully be yourself and you can't really, from my own experience, be 100% trusting of the situation as it is. This is why I look at uh, something that I haven't reached closure on, something that I have a bad feeling about or just awkward feeling or suspicious feeling that I need to find closure on it. So I am one to investigate further to find out what's going on. Now, what can happen often is that some of us carry around PTSD. We were either abused earlier in life or experienced some sort of trauma or neglect or something that created filters for our world so that the way we show up in different conversations and the way we interpret different conversations might be a little skewed. For example, the person who can't trust men. I can't trust any man. So even if the most trustworthy man comes along and talks to them and is a safe person to share things with, he still may not get a level of trust that he probably has earned throughout his life. I don't know how else to say it. He deserves. He, uh, he is a trustworthy person. So there's no reason to not trust him. At least you haven't seen a reason. But you have some old PTSD and you create reasons. Well, you know, he could turn on me at any time. It's like um, a message in the, the Overwhelmed Brain Empowerment Group I was reading today and responded to about someone who is with someone who couldn't really be as affectionate as they used to be because the other person might leave them at any time. Even though there's no sign of that happening, there's still that under layer of fear that that person's carrying with them, thinking that the other person could leave me, so I better not be 100% affectionate. I can be 75% or whatever the percentage is. And that will be enough for the other person to continue to be in the relationship with me, but not so much that we can have a stronger loving connection that's deeper and more fulfilling. I'd rather keep it at that 75%. That way, if this other person does leave me, then at least I have 25% left over to hang on to so I'm not completely devastated. And uh, some of us walk around like, like that. We don't put all of ourselves into the game sometimes because we feel like there's a lot to lose. So we would rather experience only a portion of what's possible just in case it doesn't work out. So we're never completely happy, never completely fulfilled, because we're only giving a portion of what we can 
to the relationship or the situation. And that can be understandable. When you're with someone that you know is not trustworthy, you might not want to give it your all just in case they do something dastardly. If they are capable of lying to you, it is hard to be vulnerable with them. It is hard to be completely trusting and loving toward them because you don't feel safe with them. And that's what I mean about uh, finding closure and trying to understand what is left unfinished in you that you need to know before you can actually be vulnerable and loving and trusting towards someone. Because if you don't find that closure, it feels like you're stranded and you're just trying to find your way through the storm with one headlight or something. You try to get through the storm, but you're not sure if a tree is going to fall. You're not sure if there's going to be a puddle in the road and you're going to go off the road. So you drive really slowly instead of confidently driving the speed limit. Uh, Not that you should in dangerous weather anyway, but you know what I mean. Having the uh, obstacles in the way, uh, which those obstacles are usually your subconscious mind, usually the emotional triggers, usually your fears that you're carrying around with you because you don't have closure on something. And that's why I think it's very important to be okay sometimes breaching protocol. And this may be uh, bad advice. I don't know, but this is what I do. I, If I'm at all suspicious about something going on and everything maybe has been okay up to a point, but something makes me suspicious or I catch something uh, subconsciously and I have this feeling, but I can't tell what it is, I need to investigate. I need to uncover. I need to start doing some critical thinking and try to figure out exactly What is unfinished? What answers do I need? And always my first stop is talking to the person involved. Not necessarily sneaking around, checking their phone, but talking to them and expressing, hey, I have this weird feeling. It may not be those words, but hey, I want to talk about this. I I got upset. I'm emotionally triggered by this and I want to feel better about it. So let's talk about it. And hopefully it's all good and they explain it and I feel better and I get closure and I could move on. However, with Mary's letter, she had this bad feeling and it wouldn't go away. And that's a sign. That's a sign that perhaps you need to dig a little deeper. That's a sign that maybe you need to dig a little deeper. The only reason I'm saying this, it isn't because I want you sneaking around people's backs and trying to uncover what's going on without their knowledge Again, fully endorse communication and expression, and hopefully you'll get to a truth that leads to closure. But I see so many couples where one person has these suspicions, and these may be unjustified suspicions. I'm totally on board with that. What you suspect could be something that isn't necessarily true. But we get these red flags, and we either find closure and we can move on, or we don't. And Mary said, you know, I didn't find closure. He said that I didn't delete the app. And something about maybe the way he said it, or something about his body language, something in the inflection in his voice that she wasn't consciously aware of, something triggered her in a good way, meaning some self-protection mechanism kicked in and said, hey, uh, what you just witnessed, there's something to that. You need to investigate further. And what she did, which was very, very smart, was tell herself, you know, I'm not going to let this go. And like I said, this could be bad advice for some couples because this could lead to an argument. What? You don't trust me? I told you and it was the truth. I I hear you. (laughs) I mean, if you're saying that, I hear you. 
But this is for the couples that don't already have a well-established, somewhat healthy relationship and somewhat healthy communication. This is for those people that can actually talk about this stuff and get through it together. These are the sometimes hard conversations you have that help you grow closer and share and connect more intimately because you're sharing stuff that is very hard to talk about that could lead to a relationship ending because it's so hard to talk about. But boy, when you get through those moments after you talk about that stuff, your relationship can grow stronger and your bond will amplify and your love will amplify because you got through it and you trusted each other enough to talk about it, even though it could have caused a, you know, a devastating breakup or divorce or something like that. But that's what a good relationship is supposed to do. It's supposed to be resilient for these hard conversations. It's supposed to have a good foundation so that you can bring up this stuff without one person going, how dare you don't believe me? Or, you know, what is your problem? I'm not going to talk about this, so you're just going to have to deal with it yourself. That's not a 50-50 relationship. That's not an equal partnership. An equal partnership is someone brings something up. Hey, you know, why do you have this app on your phone? Oh, you know, I I have it because, uh," and then they lie or something. And then you have this feeling like, what? I think you're lying. And hopefully there's a healthy enough communication where the other person says, you know, I put it on there. We've been having trouble. I mean, 99% of the time, this isn't going to happen. I know that. But the healthy communication you can have can actually get you through the toughest parts of your relationship. Because imagine if someone were to express that kind of truth. Hey, what's this app doing on your phone, this dating app? And they said, you know, we've had problems and I just wasn't sure if it was going to work out. So I was looking at my prospects and I know it's wrong. I don't know what to do. I'm I'm having a challenge with this relationship. I, I don't know if I can stay with you because, you know, X, Y, Z. Now, that might hurt to hear, but at least it opens the door of conversation so you can talk about it or yell about it or just be able to communicate in a way that you hadn't done before. I mean, yes, it shouldn't get to that level. It shouldn't get to the level where somebody else is now starting to step out the door a little bit. It shouldn't get to that point where someone is now sneaking around because hopefully you've had these hard conversations. You've talked about this stuff so that it doesn't reach that level. And I just had this conversation with uh, one of my email clients where she said, you know, how do you express to someone where you have something hard to express, you're triggered by something, and they get fearful telling you stuff because you're triggered by it? I mean, we had a conversation similar to that. And I said, you know, you have to find out, I don't think I said this in these words, but you have to find out if your relationship is resilient enough to get through these hard conversations. Because if you can't get through these more challenging, more truthful, more honest, more closer to the emotional core of what's going on, if you can't get through those moments, then how is your relationship going to get through the other stuff that comes up later on? One of my concerns in relationships is that one person withholds information because they don't want the other person to get angry or something. So they withhold information. And once you do that once, you get used to it. You understand that you can do it and you end up doing it over and over and over again. And then pretty soon you have one person that hides everything from the other person 
and maybe they're both hiding from each other, uh, but the relationship grows distant. And now they're arguing about things that aren't even important. I mean, the stuff like squeezing a toothpaste tube and I squeeze from the top while I squeeze from the bottom. Well, you're making me upset because you squeeze it from the top. You know, that kind of conversation doesn't normally happen in a happy, healthy, loving, trusting relationship. It usually happens because of these small steps that we take to withhold information, to lie, to deceive, to control the relationship in a way that makes it easier for us. I tell you what, every step you take to try to make the relationship easier that involves any type of deception or lie or withholding usually creates more of a distance and less love and less connection. I understand there are people out there that do have that PTSD from their childhood, from other relationships, and are afraid to be fully trusting of the other person. But my go-to with that is, are you spending more time concerned about what might happen in the future as opposed to spending all your time and energy in the present moment with the person that's with you right now that can choose to be with anyone they want, but they're with you right now? Do you take that time and energy away from them to experience that moment and put it into a future that may never exist? Because a lot of people experience that. They put a lot of time and energy in what could happen, so they take away from the present moment and take away from the love and the bonding and the connection that they could have right now. And just like I told that person in the Facebook group, a good question for your partner the one who's afraid to commit fully and be affectionate because, you know, you could leave me someday. The good question is, well, if you knew I was going to die in a week, would you be affectionate then? And that would be a heavy question because that would force them to take away the time and energy that they put into a future that may never exist and realize they only have this limited time span to either be loving and affectionate and supportive and trusting that it's just going to have to work out the way it is and we'll just take the chance and love each other as much as we can. Or I refuse to drop this line of thinking and continue to hold on to the fact that you could still leave me within that week, which, you know, I would be surprised if that was the answer. But if someone stays in that fearful state and never becomes present with the person they're with, then I I'm going to say it. I think they're wasting a lot of time focused on the wrong things and not allowing themselves to be fulfilled. Because I tell you what, I would rather have a shorter life that's happy and fulfilled and wonderful than a long life where I can't even show up as my truly authentic self, loving people, them loving me, and just experiencing everything moment by moment. It's no fun living a partial existence. I'd rather experience it now because tomorrow I could be dead. Tomorrow may not come. So what can I experience today? And this is hard because some people aren't in relationships. Some people don't have what they want today. So what if tomorrow never comes and that's the worst news ever? Or you find yourself not focused on what may or may not happen in the future, not caring about what may or may not happen in the past, and realize that the present moment can be so much more fulfilling if you're there and experiencing it. And when you have no past and you have no future and you're right there in the moment, 
you can connect with people like no one else. <laughs> That's probably an odd way to say it, but you can connect with people from a place of no fear. You can ask people out on a date because you have no fear knowing, hey, tomorrow might not be here. You could do anything you want. Maybe anxieties will go away. Maybe fears will go away. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But that's what I appreciate about present moment thinking is that, hey, if tomorrow doesn't come and this is the only moment I have, well, what can I do right now? I don't have to worry about tomorrow coming or not because it's not going to be here. So what, what am I going to do right now? Anyway, back to my original point of these red flags. When you get these feelings, I encourage closure. And if that means that you have to do a little private investigating yourself to find that closure, it might mean that. But I am more on board with you finding closure so that you can have a happier relationship instead of holding on to that gut feeling, thinking that something isn't right, but never finding closure and just going forward with that icky feeling and you never being able to be fully trusting and loving and supportive and affectionate because you are holding on to it. Now, if you have the icky feeling and that doesn't stop you from being fully loving and supportive and you can live with it, you know, I'm not telling you not to. I'm just saying I think life is a better experience when you work on that stuff that is lingering inside, that negative emotional stuff. So anyway, I want to get to this um, other point real quick, which is something else Mary said. She said, as you suggested in the segment, I am focusing on myself right now. If nothing else, the relationship has taught me some important lessons, but one in particular that surprised me that finding someone else raised in my religion is important to me. And um, the comment I want to make here is uh, twofold. One of the comments is, I highly recommend that you always work on yourself. Never make your focus about the other person when it comes to what needs to happen in the relationship. Sounds like I'm opposing what I just said in the last few minutes, but in the sense where how can I bring the best version of myself into the relationship so that there isn't a question of me doing something wrong, for lack of a better term. How can I bring the best version of myself to show the other person that, hey, I am always working on myself. I am doing everything I can to give you the best of me. I love that sentiment. I love that feeling. I'm doing everything I can to give you the best of me. What happens a lot in relationships is, yes, we work on ourselves and, you know, a lot of us, and we try to figure out what's going on in our lives so we can go into the future without so many emotional triggers and that baggage and, you know, emotional wounds. But we also want our partner to change. And this is where we have to be careful. Yes, it's okay to want our partner to change. Yes, it's okay to want anyone, our family member or friend, anyone to change. It's okay. But it is not up to us to change them. And it's not up to us to convince them to change. It is only up to us, this is my opinion, it's only up to us to say, hey, I don't like the behavior that you're doing. It is not comfortable to me. It is not in alignment with my values. I don't like being around you when you do that behavior. You're not saying you're a bad person. You're not saying you need to change. You're just saying this is how it affects me. And boy, when you say that, it empowers them to either want to change themselves or not. It empowers them to have the thought of, wow, I'm hurting 
this person or I am causing them to be uncomfortable around me. Wow, I don't, I don't like that I'm hurting this person. I don't like that I'm making them uncomfortable. I think I need to look inward and figure out if that's behavior that I want to continue doing because I don't like hurting the people I love. You focusing on you, improving yourself, and saying what their behavior does to you helps to empower them to choose to change or not. Because the empowered person who chooses to change is almost always creating habits or behaviors that will probably stick. Because they don't want to hurt the people they love. Typically. And hopefully. However, if the other person says, well, you know, that's too bad. That's who I am. And I don't think that's ever going to change. It still comes back to you where you can say, okay, you know, that's information I need to know because I need to reconcile that inside myself to figure out if that's something I want to be around. It's still your choice. It's still your decision. And it's still their choice and their decision. And you're not focused on changing them because they're either going to change into the person they really want to be and the person that they, you know, show shows up 100% or they're not because of whatever fears, upbringing, nurturing, conditioning, trauma, abuse, it could be a number of things. But typically as adults, most of us have the option to say, I need to work on myself. My results aren't good. I need to work on myself so I get better results. The people who get bad results and failed relationships and everything's happening to them and they're the common denominator who say, hey, everyone else is at fault. I'm not at fault. The world is the problem. Those are the people that usually continue to get the bad results because they never look inward. They never check in. And that's important, especially in a relationship. If you don't check in with yourself, if they don't check in with, their, with themselves, and then you meet in the middle, now you are both partially there. Now you are both as there as much as you can be there. But is it enough to hold the relationship together? In my experience, when I show up 50%, 60%, even 70 or 80%, and I just hold back that last 20% just in case the relationship fails or she leaves me, she ends up leaving me anyway. I'm not saying that's the only cause, but I've noticed that as I've healed through things and as I've focused on myself instead of trying to change my partner, that we grow closer, not farther. And the last comment I want to make to Mary's email is that she found someone in her same religion. And um, I said this before, but I think it's golden information when you're looking for someone to connect with, a friend, a romantic partner, when you're looking for someone, I found that some of the best connections happen when you are doing something you enjoy and you meet someone doing something very similar or the same thing that they enjoy so you already have something common. Whether that's going to church and you meet at church and now you have the same or similar beliefs whether that's kayaking, whether that's hiking, whether that's even hanging out at the bar. And I think that's an important point. When you go to the bar to meet someone, but you don't normally hang out in bars, you're probably going to find someone that likes hanging out in bars. But you could go to meetup.com and other places like Craigslist and um, nextdoor.com. I don't know if any of these are international, but these are some of the things that I've experienced over the years. Places that have events, even uh, websites for the city, town, county, or province, or country that you live in. They usually have an events calendar. And you end up going to events that you enjoy and sometimes talking to other people that enjoy those events. 
And, you know, these are all different ways to meet people. And, um, of course, online dating apps. But, you know, that's hit or miss, especially for women. I hate to say it. This isn't the dating app advice show. But this is one of the ways that you can meet someone. And I'm addressing Mary's second email regarding her breakup and um, her realization that she really does want someone on common ground. And that's a great qualifier. Sometimes it narrows the prospects, though. I mean, doesn't it? If you go to a small event and there's three people there and they're all married, you have no prospects. I get it. I get it. But I've learned what my girlfriend said is true, is that the more you do what you want to do in your life, the more you focus on yourself, the more you're going to meet other people that do what you like to do as well. And at least you'll have some sort of connection, whether it's a friendship and they have a friend of a friend, you know, those little networking things that you do. But anyway, I just wanted to address these points that Mary wrote. And thank you so much, Mary. I'm so glad for this update. I appreciate you. We'll be right back. Oh, Casper, how do I love thee? (laughs) Let me count the ways. We have a Casper mattress, and I got to tell you, um, we've had it for a number of months now. Geez, it's been almost a year. It's been a while, and um, I love being able to talk about it and having it this long to be able to share with you that it is just as comfortable as the first day we got it. I mean, I've had other types of mattresses that started getting a little flimsy, starting getting a little saggy. But the way the Casper mattress is engineered with multiple supportive memory foams, it really leads to a quality sleep surface with just the right amount of both sink and bounce. And what's funny is that we still have our old mattress in what's now a spare bedroom. You know, my girlfriend's son, he now lives with his dad. So we have this extra room and we just put what we're not using in that room. (laughs) So we have this new Casper mattress and we have the old one there, which we need to sell if we can. But like I said, I love talking about something that I've used for almost a year and to be able to say with full congruence that I actually love sleeping on this mattress. Casper offers three mattresses, the original Casper, the Wave, and the Essential. Now, the original combines the multiple supportive memory foams, uh, but the Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. That should be pretty cool. And then the Essential has a streamlined design at a price that, you know, won't keep you up at night. And Casper also offers a wide variety of other products like pillows and sheets to ensure a better overall sleep experience. And Casper is affordable because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to you. And this is one of my favorite talking points. They offer hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. So all you have to do is use it for 100 nights, risk-free, They give you a sleep-on-it trial, and if you're not happy with it, they'll just pick it up. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, they'll just pick it up all for free. So there's really no reason not to try it. And Casper is offering $50 towards select mattresses by anyone that visits casper.com forward slash brain and uses the promo code brain at checkout. Getting that $50 toward those select mattresses gives you another thing to feel good about when you're purchasing your Casper. So again, get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com forward slash brain. And I just bet after a year, you're going to feel the same way I do about my Casper, and you're going to love it. That 100-night risk-free trial is going to go by very fast 
because you're not even going to be thinking about it because you're so comfortable. Casper.com forward slash brain. Use the promo code brain at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back. I'm going to read you a quick email. It's about a relationship issue again. Those seem to be the hot topics nowadays. And always remember that if you're not in a romantic relationship, this applies to any relationship that you're in. Even if you're an agoraphobic that doesn't get out because, you know, you have the internet, you get podcasts, you probably have a cell phone. I think most people have these things. But there's always a method to relate to someone out there through some means. It reminds me of my coaching process. I sit at a desk all day long because I do the podcast, I do the blog, and I do coaching. And that's pretty much from one place. So I don't really get out much. I'll have to admit this. I don't get out much. I get out on Sundays and occasionally at nights and when we go out to dinner. But I'm not like a high activity kind of person. But I do like getting out. I mean, there's nothing better than taking a break. (laughs) But I have coaching clients and some of them Uh, Most of them are pretty much on the phone, but some of them are through Skype or some other video chat service. And when you're connecting through any type of video chat service, there's something missing to the communication. There's just something missing. You don't feel the energy. It's not 3D. Your brain sees a 2D image on a screen, unless you're using some VR headset or something. But you really don't get the full connection of a relationship. And this is why I believe it's so important to connect with people personally, to connect with them so that you are in their presence, in their vicinity, in their proximity, so that you can have a deeper connection. It's like Matthew Bivens. I meet with him every now and then. He hosts the Having It All podcast. And uh, sometimes we create a show, we put it on this feed, and we're working on another show now, so you should hear that pretty soon. Uh, But talking with him through video chat or phone is like 50% of the experience. And when we met up in person to talk about our shows, talk about business, talk about life, I decided to be wholly present with him. I decided that I wasn't going to stray away from being in his proximity. And it's hard to explain, but it's sort of like you're acknowledging that they're in front of you. And you are becoming, just like I said in the last segment, very present with the person in front of you. And I told Matthew as we were parting, I said, you know, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. (laughs) And he's waiting for it. And of course, we're honest with each other. And he was open to receiving what I was about to say. And I said, again, don't take this the wrong way, but I really appreciated today. I needed today. I needed to see you and be in your presence today. And it felt really good. And I just wanted to let you know that I felt a connection. Now, that's not something I believe that most men will say to each other. I mean, we're always taught like, hey, see you later, man. Okay, see you, man. And then they have a handshake and then they leave. And then there are people that will hug. And then there are people that will emote, show their emotions and voice their genuine connection with the other person. But I decided to really acknowledge his presence in my life. I think that's important with any relationship, at least anyone that you value, any relationship that you really find important to you. 
to acknowledge their presence. And it doesn't have to be verbal. It can be the thought process that goes on inside of you. It can be you opening up inside to allow them a little closer to you. It's almost as if everything they say is valuable and important. It's sometimes hard to find people that you can do that with. I understand. I mean, it it took me many, many years. I had a friend, John, that I did that with a lot. John and I could connect at a very emotional level, very connected level. It was a very fulfilling relationship. John moved away and he's pursuing other life plans. And I fully support that. I haven't talked to him in years, but I know he's out there and it makes me feel good to have ever met him and been connected to him. And then it took me several more years. After I moved to Atlanta, it took me a couple of years to find someone that I could connect with again at the deeper level because men usually have a harder time finding other men to connect with at the deeper level. I might be misspeaking there a little bit. Maybe it's not as hard as I think it is nowadays because, you know, I'm not the socialite. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't have all the data. Uh, but from what I can tell, at least from the people who write to me and connect with me, Deeper, emotionally connected men usually have a little bit harder time finding other deeper, emotionally connected men. But that's why I created the uh, Facebook group, too, because I wanted people to feel comfortable being themselves, whether they're deeply emotionally connected, whether they're emotionally wounded, whether they're successful in life, whether they don't have the success they want. Since I couldn't meet too many people in the, quote, real world, I created the group so that more like minds could meet up. Hey, there's another idea. Meetup.com and Facebook will allow you to create these groups and like-minded people can get together and friendships can be made that way. But anyway, I told Matthew this. I said, you know, I really appreciated our time together. I really appreciated the connection we, we had today. And then we parted and then he sent me an amazing text message that said, you know, I just had the most amazing time today. I, I really needed this. I felt energized when I left instead of drained which sometimes happens with other people. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. You're a good friend. And that made a difference to me. That made me realize that he was also experiencing a deeper connection. And this also explains why I typically have more female friends than male friends, because a lot of women are willing to get more emotionally connected. A lot of women are willing to be a little bit more vulnerable, not with men in general, but with men who come across as non-threatening, come across as safe, come across as somebody who's not trying to pick them up, but someone who's just genuine with them and really wants the best for them. I try to be that way. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I try to be that way. So to find another guy out there that's also connected like that and isn't afraid to have emotions, isn't afraid to be honest, be vulnerable, that's a good feeling. And it also helps you become vulnerable. It also helps you access the deeper parts of yourself When you find someone like that, whether it's a friend, romantic connection, family member, if you are around someone that can be vulnerable with you, then you can be vulnerable with them. And it can be a great long-lasting relationship. So like I was saying, um, the video chats that I have with some of my clients just don't reach that level of connection. And I appreciate everything I can about our call, but it's, it's still that level of disconnect. It's sort of like watching a beach scene in a movie where it's sunny and there are palm trees, but you're still in the movie theater. You don't feel the warmth. You don't feel the breeze unless the AC is on. You can't approach the trees. You're just sitting there and it's an experience, but it's not experiential. I think that's the best way I can explain it. 
So if you are one of those people that have lots of friends online, but you only have online experiences with them, but not in-person experiential experiences with them, you may get partially fulfilled by the connection. Just like the last segment, you might have that partial connection, but not that full connection. That's what I love about human-to-human interaction, is that you can create a more full connection. Sometimes it doesn't work, (laughs) just like we're talking about today. Sometimes relationships don't work, and we have to weed out what doesn't work and what does and figure out what we can do about it and talk to our friends, our partners, our family, and see if there's a chance to make something work. I'm going to read you this email real quick from someone I'm going to call Nancy. And um, Nancy says, I want to ask you about something I hear on your podcast a lot, uh, relationships. My boyfriend and I have been dating on and off for a couple of years. We broke up a few times. We took a vacation and he was mad at me multiple times. Um, one for sleeping good. I guess she slept well one night and he was upset about that. Maybe he didn't sleep well uh, while he wasn't. However, I didn't know he was upset when he woke up. Another, we were at a vacation spot and I asked if he wanted to take a picture. He said, that's not the reason we're here. And he's not into social media or pictures or anything like that. So a little later, a couple asked me to take a picture of them. And after I did, they asked to take some pictures of me. And I said, sure. Well, my boyfriend got upset and said, well, I guess you didn't want a picture with me. Long story short, he got upset a few more times over what I believe to be something silly. He always says, I only think about myself and it's all about me. But honestly, it seems all about him. I love him and know he loves me, but I feel like I'm settling because it's comfortable. I don't want to end a relationship that's good. I don't want to be single, but maybe I do want to be single. I think. I just don't know who I am or what I want because I've never been alone. Anyway, there's so much to the story, but maybe you can help me with what I've shared so far. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you for sharing this. I'm just going to express to you one thing that's probably the most important People who have heard every episode of this show will be like, oh, he's going to talk about that again. (laughs) It's values. What is most important to you about a relationship? I always go back to my values and ask myself, is this in alignment with my values? Is his behavior in alignment with my values? Is how I feel how I want to feel in a relationship? I mean, that's not so much values, it's more emotional, but... Values are usually about emotions. So I offer the Stop Self-Sabotage workbook on my website, theoverwhelmedbrain.com. You can certainly download that. It it walks you right through it. Uh, But I'm not here just to make a buck. I want to tell you how to do it. So in case you don't get the workbook, that's fine too. How you do it is you list everything important about a relationship. So you might say, well... My partner must be honest and I want to laugh a lot and my partner must be respectful of me and I want to feel secure and I want to feel safe and on and on and on until you get, you know, 20, 30 or more. Just keep writing them down. And then what you do is take the top values that you will not settle for anything less on and you come up with the top five. And that's hard because you have six through whatever, 100, and you want these things too. But you get the top five of the list and make those absolutely undeniable. I will not settle. I will not compromise on these values. These must be in place. It's usually the top three that must be in place. And the last two can be negotiable sometimes. But definitely the top three. But the top five are going to be 
super informative, super educational for you to make a decision by. Because that's what you do. I mean, I'm not saying you have to do this, but I'm saying my suggestion for you is to list all your relationship values, put them in hierarchy, put them in order, and the very first relationship value, do not settle for less. The second one, don't settle for less. The third, the fourth, the fifth, don't settle for less. That way, when you ask yourself the question, is his behavior in alignment with my top values? Is this situation in alignment with my top values? Because if you have a top value that you don't want to be with someone who smokes and he decides to smoke, if it doesn't line up with your top values, you will probably be very unhappy. So that doesn't mean your values will never change. He could certainly start smoking, but he keeps it outside and you never smell it on him or he's vaping and you never smell it. And that's okay with you. And then you have something that is a little negotiable, but you have to feel good about it. So you list these top five values and you ask yourself, is this in alignment with my values? Is this decision I'm going to make in alignment with my values? When you do this, your life shapes the way you want it. And then you find yourself making decisions that would normally have been a lot harder to make, but now they are easier, even though it might be a tough decision. It's easier because you know that you won't be happy if your values aren't in alignment. I'm not saying they have to match his values. I'm saying that the situations, his actions, his behavior have to be in alignment with your values. If you have a top value that you need to be respected and he disrespects you, you of course have a conversation about it. Hey, I don't like being disrespected. That is That doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like you love me. It doesn't feel like you really care about me. And if he says, well, it's too bad, then you can say, well, that's not in alignment. I mean, this is what you think to yourself. That's not in alignment with my values. And then the next question is, do I want to be with someone who is not in alignment with my top values? Do I want to do this? This, in my opinion, gives you the answers you need. It's not always easy to follow. Sometimes you're with somebody for a long time and you've developed a deep connection, but they're doing things that are against your values, which is why you stay unhappy, which is why you just can't seem to get past some of the um, emotional ruts that you might be in. So, like I said, the workbook walks you through it. Stop self-sabotage at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And, of course, if the relationship is manipulative or emotionally abusive, you can go to loveandabuse.com and see if that workbook would be more appropriate to your situation. It doesn't sound like it is for your situation, but I'm kind of saying that for anyone else that might be in a difficult relationship where they feel like their values are being met, but it's still so complex. What's going on? And that workbook helps explain what that is too. But anyway, Nancy, I want to just give you that to go on. It's something that when you get very clear about it and you make decisions that stay in alignment with those values, your life goes so much better. I speak from experience. I've done this over and over again, not just with relationships, but with business, with my personal growth, with my spirituality. As long as I'm in alignment with it, it always guides me along a path that fulfills me most. And yes, sometimes there are hard conversations to have and hard decisions to make. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for writing. And thanks for listening to another episode. We'll be right back. I'll say some thank yous and some closing words after this.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Casper. Go to casper.com forward slash brain for $50 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. I'd also like to thank the newest supporting members of the show, Elizabeth, Miriam, Henry. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining the patron program. And for those other patron members that decided to give a little bit of extra, I appreciate you too. They don't have to give more. They just wanted to. Michelle, Chris, Angie, and Natasha, who's also a new member. I am grateful for your support. It is going toward the operating costs of this show, and it continues to grow, so the operating costs do as well. And your support is appreciated. If you want to support the show, go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And not only can you support the show that way, but you'll also get any of the um, addendum workbooks and worksheets that I include with some particular episodes. And also all the workbooks and worksheets that I've already created. And a giant library of private episodes that if you've never joined the patron program, you're going to hear for the first time. And they're a little bit more intimate You know, there's no music, there's no transitions, it's just me talking to you. We'd love to see you over there. Patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com And I want to thank the two people who left their raving review in iTunes. An iTunes handle called uh, New Capital User. And another one, Ross 12 I appreciate both of you and thank you for your words. I'm so glad that the show has improved or changed your life in some way. That's what I want to hear. Thank you again. And I mentioned this earlier, the mean workbook over at loveandabuse.com. This is for anyone that's starting to feel a little crazy in their relationship and can't figure out what's going on. If you're experiencing what you believe or maybe you don't believe, maybe you don't know, to be emotional abuse from a lover, a spouse, or a friend, this workbook is for you. It reveals what's going on in an affirming 200-point checklist of signs and symptoms that will help you determine a score. And this score just tells you how maybe enmeshed you are in manipulation or emotional abuse. And a lot of people don't even know they're in it. And a lot of people don't even know they're doing it. So this can help the person who believes they may be emotionally abusive to their partner. It is created in the perspective of the partner who is experiencing it, but it can be very beneficial to the one who believes they may be doing it as well. So if your relationship is a little more complex than it should be, Go to loveandabuse.com and see if the mean workbook is right for you. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And I want to address one little thing that it can be a big thing, and that is self-compassion, self-love, self-respect, anything with the word self that is supposed to lead to, to a positive feeling inside of you. I had a client um, yesterday tell me, you know, what does that mean? What are the action steps to get to self-love and self-compassion? And I, I agree. We're not often told what the action steps are. And I've narrowed what action steps they are basically to one sentence. And that sentence is, is what I'm about to do or the decision I'm about to make a sign that I love myself or I respect myself or I am showing compassion for myself. Now that may not cover all the angles of self-love, self-compassion, self-respect, but it is enough to help you understand if your behavior is something that is showing yourself the right positive things. I might have to quote right, but you know what I mean, the the right things to help you feel better, to make you feel more worthy, to increase your self-esteem, to increase your confidence and your motivation in yourself. 
when you think about self-compassion, self-love, self-respect, I like to put it in terms of if I were my friend, is my behavior showing that friend love? And so you reverse that and put it on yourself. Since I am my friend, is my behavior showing me love or respect or compassion or whatever? And I think it's a great question to ask yourself because, you know, I talk about people pleasers sometimes and I just talked about it in my newsletter where I had some old people pleaser instinct kick in during an incident at home. (laughs) Won't get into it now, but it was in the newsletter. But people pleasers, you know, often will do things thinking that they are showing love and compassion and support for the other person, when in reality, the other person didn't really ask for it. And so that question comes up, am I really showing love, compassion, support, and respect to that other person, or am I doing it to fulfill a need in me? Now, this is kind of the opposite, where you think you're showing love and support and compassion for them, but they didn't ask for it, and um, instead of making them happier when you do something for them, they get a little irritated when you do something for them. And it's a good understanding of behavior that doesn't lead to a good outcome. And when you know behavior that doesn't lead to a good outcome, as long as you're paying attention, as long as you see, why aren't they happy? Uh, Maybe it's something I did. Okay, let's analyze that. Let's explore that. Let's think about that. Then you might be able to figure out what led to their unhappiness. And it's just a matter of asking yourself, well, is it something I did? No, everything I did was great. No, you might have to (laughs) think about that and go through all the steps. Just like something that I did at home the other night that really went sour fast. And I had to stop and ask myself, is what I'm doing showing her love? Is it showing compassion? Is it showing support? Is it showing respect? And it wasn't, even though I thought it was. But when you're out of the situation, when you're not involved in it anymore and the the moment has passed, you can analyze it and figure out what else may be going on. So you take this idea of, am I being loving and respectful and compassionate to that person? And you apply it to yourself. Am I being loving and respectful and compassionate to me? Because when I, for example, people please that person, it drains me. So basically, I'm being not compassionate. What's the word? Discompassionate. I'm being not loving to me because I'm doing something that drains me. Now, you may think, well, having kids drains me or having this job drains me. Yes, that absolutely could be true. And there are some things in life that might have to come with the level of acceptance where you just have to go with the flow and wait it out or plan the next thing so when it's finally over, you're in a better space. But in most cases, you can ask yourself, is this decision supporting me? Is it respecting me? Is it loving me? If somebody did this to me, would it be loving? Is what I'm about to do supporting, loving, respecting, and compassionate toward me? And that's how you start to build all of this self stuff, all of this uh, self-esteem and self-worth and healthier ego and healthier mindset and on and on, is that you start applying loving gestures, compassionate gestures, respectful gestures to self. And you be honest with yourself Because if you say, yes, I would love to work this weekend and you really don't want to, you have to ask yourself, is this loving toward me? Is this respectful? Is this supportive toward me? I mean, am I doing something that is supporting me? Because you're making the decision. Am I doing things that show me that I love me so that I feel good, so that I feel energized instead of drained? 
Am I doing these things so that I feel better about myself? I really didn't want to work on the weekend, yet I said yes. How is that supporting me? I need to explore this and maybe change something. And that might be a hard change or not. But this is what the self-fulfillment uh, concept is all about. So if you've ever had a challenge trying to put the pieces together on what action steps you can take to be more self-loving, to be more self-compassionate, just ask yourself the question, is what I'm about to do loving toward me, respectful toward me, compassionate toward me? Because if it's not and you feel yourself drained, you're probably creating toxic relationships going to throw that out there right at the end. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do. No matter what, no matter where you are on the functional slash dysfunctional spectrum, on the healthy slash unhealthy spectrum, from the emotionally blissfully successful to the emotionally wounded and traumatized and miserable, you know, it can be really serious stuff. No matter where you are on that, just keep an open mind because I want you to be able to step into your power so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! 
Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.